Thank you for tuning in to this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Amen and amen. Turn to somebody and say, I'm glad you're in church today. I've been waiting a long time to say that. <laughs> and I'm glad you are all here today. There is nothing like being together in the house of God. And man, how have we been reminded of that over the last number of weeks? And we were glad to get started last week with many of you. And many more of you are here today. And many more are coming in the next few weeks. So thank you so much. And uh, we are here on a great Sunday, which every Sunday is great, as we like to say, but we are starting a brand new study this morning entitled Prophet from the Prophets. Man, God's Word has so much to say to us and, and for us and about us, and have you ever noticed how we kind of neglect the midsection of the Bible with the exception of Psalms and Proverbs quite often? You ever kind of notice that? As a matter of fact, if you have your actual Bibles with you and not a, a, a pad or, or something electronic that you, you look at, and that's okay, I'm not, not putting that down, but you can kind of flip to the midsection of your Bible where we see the, the, the prophet books, as they're called, uh, the, the, the books that prophets uh, uh, scribed uh, through the, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and those pages seem really new, don't they, a lot of times, because we don't spend a whole lot of time there. As a matter of fact, thought I'd have some fun, but I'm not going to do it and have people try to pronounce the names of the prophets. You ever notice how they have some really interesting names? Uh, who, who can tell me where the book of Haggai is found between what two books in the next three seconds? Between Zephaniah and Zechariah, two Z names. Isn't that crazy? I was going to give away a prize, but I thought, I ain't even going to get a prize because nobody's going to get it that quick. The reason I said a few seconds because I didn't want to give you time to look on your, your phone and search the internet and pull it up and bam, I got the answer. I'm so smart. I'm a Bible scholar. Look at me, Pastor. I didn't want to do that. So, tough area of the Bible. But man, we miss so much if we neglect the words of the prophets. Because not only were they words for that day and time in those instances, and it's easy for me to say, but they are words for us here today. And as we kick off this study, and I sure miss having a handout for you to take notes on, so you have to just write on your hand or your arm or something else. But, but as we get into this today, I want you to, to understand what this term prophet really is. Because maybe that's new to you with the exception of using prophet in the terms of, hey, I sold my, my old bed last week and I made a profit off of it. I actually, you know, bought it for $20 and sold it for 30 So I profited what? There you go, mathematician in here. $10. We understand making a profit on something in that vernacular, but when we're talking about prophets of the Bible or, or modern day prophets uh, that God has for our day and time now, what we're talking about is, is simply this, those people who have been chosen and called by God to bring his message for such a time as this. Those people who hear God speak to them saying, go and tell my people these things. And that's exactly what this study is all about. It's about a man named Haggai. Any of you have the name Haggai yourself or your family members? No, I didn't think so. This man had a word from God that was for his time. But I am also convinced it's for us here today. 
So we're going to journey through over the next uh, three weekends and, and find out what God's Word has to say through it. Just this. I'm going to give you a little background. Once upon a time, there was a man named Solomon. Anybody heard of that guy? And he built a mighty temple, but before long, the people of Judah, as they often did, turned away from God and began to worship false gods and foreign gods and false idols. And then one day, God allowed the Babylonians to attack Judah and destroy the whole city, including God's temple. And the people of Judah remained in captivity until one day, God raised up a prophet by the name of Haggai, there you go, to inspire the people to get back to work, saying this. And I want you to write this down somewhere. Now is the time. And I want us to camp out there just for a second. Now is the time. Well, it's the time for what, Pastor? Well, you answer that. What's going on in your life? Where are you at with your walk with Christ? What kind of challenges are you having? Have you even began a walk with Christ in your life? Have you even surrendered your heart to Christ? If not, now is the time to surrender to Jesus Christ. Maybe you have. Maybe it's been a, a few months or a few years or a few decades. But somewhere in your life right now, you may be at a crossroad and, and, and God's speaking to you about something particular and you're kind of fighting through that and and. Right now, God is trying to get across to you, to me, to all of us. Right now is the time. And if it's not specific to you, then maybe he's saying to you and to us all right now, now is the time to stand up as my body of believers and truly be a lighthouse in this very dark world that we are in right now. Now is the time for that corporately. I don't know what it is, but if you're writing this down, write down now is the time. Now we're going to journey through a good bit of chapter one today, and before we get into that, I, I want to start by acknowledging that I know very often in our lives, I know very often in our lives we can wake up in a certain stage of life and have this very unsettling and kind of sinking feeling, and we, we, we're, we're thinking things like this, you know, by this point in my life, I, I just expected more. By, by this time in my life, I thought that I would have reached this, whatever this is, you know what I'm talking about? You, you kind of feel like I, I, I'm stuck right now in a place I never thought I would be. And honestly, I really don't want to be here because at this point, I really thought I would be way down the road somewhere at this place and this, this spot, but I'm not. Maybe it's you're in, in college and, and you haven't gotten the grades that you thought you would get and haven't, haven't advanced like you thought you would have, have advanced by now or whatever the case may be. Maybe you graduated college and you did advance, you did great, and you thought your career would be taken off in the, in the area of study that you wanted to be in, and, and you find yourself, no, we're close to that right now. Maybe you're single and you, you've thought for years, man, I should be married by now. And, and, and that hasn't happened for you. I don't know what it is in your life. Maybe you thought you were going to be in ministry of some sort and it just hasn't panned out and on and on. The list could go on, but there's something very unsettling inside of you that, that's telling you. I thought there would be something more than there is right now in my life. So what happens with a lot of people, they try a lot of different things when they get to that place. Some of them just try to numb it with something else, try to continue to escape that and, and, and get away from it as best they can, but it's always there at the end of the day. Some people actually try going to church. <laughs> hey, man, that's a novel idea. People have been doing that for thousands of years. I think, I think I'll give that a shot. And they actually try Try God. Have you ever heard that ex expression? Hey, why don't you give God a try 
It doesn't really work like that, but people have to seem to have that kind of ingrained in their mindset that I'll just give God a shot. And it's almost kind of that mentality of he's a genie in the bottle and I can just get the bottle and rub it and boop, he'll pop out and say, God, here's where I'm at right now. It's not really what I wanted to be in my life at this point. And so I thought I would be more and and be there and, and, and have accomplished this and it hasn't really panned out. So would you help me get to there? But it's, it's not the way it works. So they try God, as they say, and then they just kind of throw in the towel on that. And, and at the end of the day, again, there's that gnawing sensation. They, they've expected more. And can I just tell you, that's kind of the general mood that we find the people in when Haggai writes this book. A little bit more of the backstory. In the fourth year of King Solomon's reign, he built this magnificent temple. They wrongly filled it with idols, as I mentioned a moment ago. In 587 B.C., King Nebuchadnezzar and his army crushed the southern kingdom of Judah, destroying the temple. The Jews were taken into captivity for decades as slaves. Fifty to seventy years they were in bondage. And in 538 B.C., about 50,000 people were finally allowed to travel back to Jerusalem, the capital of Judah, to rebuild. And they started rebuilding. Doesn't that sound like some progress in the right direction? I mean, they get to go back home, and when they go back home, they begin to rebuild. They start to put things back together. Any of you ever had teenage kids that you finally trusted to leave them at home for a weekend while you and the missus went out and enjoyed a, a little getaway, just the two of you, and you, you told them everything before you left, you expected of them, and here are the rules, and one of those rules is don't have guests over, I don't want any parties going on, nothing like that, and so you leave trusting your children, and they are going to do the right thing, and then you, you get home and you find out they didn't do the right thing. And the place is a disaster because they couldn't get it cleaned up and, and, and things repaired quick enough before you got home and you come home and you basically have to rebuild. Well, these folks finally get to go home and they begin the process to rebuild. They start doing that. They started with the foundation and the altar. And then all of a sudden what happens is as they are beginning to start building the temple back, the Samaritans oppose them. So here's what we find out through the history of this situation that for 16 years, because they faced some opposition, the project of rebuilding the temple was put on hold. Now, now what does that mean, rebuilding the temple? I'm just going to boil it down to its most base level, and that's simply this. Rebuilding the temple meant that they were going to prioritize God, that he was going to be at the center of life and the center of their community and the center of everything that they are, and they were going to honor him and bless him, and they were going to put him first. So first and foremost, before we rebuild anything else in this, in this town of ours, let's rebuild the church. Amen? That's what it means. Amen. I love that one. That was good. Got our kids in here fired up. Spread it to the adults. Rub them a little bit. Maybe it'll jump on them. So all of a sudden, they start doing the rebuilding process of the temple, and then they face some what? Opposition. And they shut it down. And that's where we find this message by Haggai that God gives him. There was no progress, no prayers, no effort. So here's what they started to do instead of working on the temple. Now, now hear this very carefully. The Bible says they began to work on their own houses. 
And apparently they were doing a very good job of that. So God raises up Haggai to call the people back to the task, just as I believe he is raising up an army right now of all of us and so many more to do exactly that. Now is the time that we grab a hold of the word of God to rise up and, and prioritize him and his house. That we rise up as God's people and say, you know what? We're not worried about our own homes. We're not worried about building our own projects and our own, own destinies and all that, God. We want to build with you your great house, your great kingdom, and give you the glory and honor that you alone are due. That's where we find ourselves. It's very, very, very easy to get distracted. Hear this clearly this morning. As sad as it is to say, there will be some people that were a regular part of Connections Church that may never be back. Reason is, they've gotten distracted. Over the last 10 to 12 weeks that we've been in this mess of pandemic mania and all this stuff, people have gotten their eyes and their minds on other things. It is a proven fact by the stats that have come out that at the first few weeks, people who loved God, loved his house, loved his church, were all in on online church. And man, they were tuning in and they were following along. But as the weeks went by, other things distracted them even from that to the point that the numbers went dramatically down in viewerships of, of church services. And now that we begin to open back up, there will be some you may not see again. I pray that not the case, but I understand that's already happening in churches as they open up in other states. Distractions are all around us, and it's very easy to get our eyes on them and off of what God has called us to as his called and chosen people. And so God is raising up voices who will cry out in this day and time, to make sure we prioritize God in all of our lives, in our homes, in our families, in our communities. Listen, Haggai chapter 1, verse 2, this is how it reads. This is what the Lord Almighty says, and I love that description. The Lord Almighty, is he mighty? You better believe it. He is awesome in all of his ways and his power. And the Lord Almighty speaks to Haggai and he says, These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Right off the bat, God identifies a very serious problem. And it's called these people. Do you notice that in your Bible there? These people. And I, I put those air quotes around it because what I, what I kind of felt like this morning was, was simply this. Anytime you, you come and, and there's going to be those people who say, hey, I don't care what God's told you, the time's not yet come to do that. And in this situation, it was the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. You know these people, right? They're all around you. Because whenever you dare to step up and say, you know what, I feel like God's called me to fill in the blank. There are going to be these people who rise up and say, no, you can't do that. You're not qualified. You're not the right person for the job. You don't have a great speaking voice. You don't look very good. I mean, you don't fit the part. You just don't strike me as that person who can go out and do that. And so these people are always going to be around us. And they're always going to be more than willing to share their opinion on what God has told you. So what we have to do is understand very, very clearly that these people are all around us. And whenever we dare to step out in faith and say, God, whatever you've called me to do, you better believe I'm going to jump on it and I'm going to ride that horse, baby. I don't care what these people have to say. 
As a matter of fact, here's what, what hit me this morning as I was getting ready for this today. The next time you encounter one of these people, don't say a word, just, just do that. Because that's going to do two things. It's going to remind you this is one of these people. Pastor Rob was talking about that last week, three weeks ago, two months ago, whatever it was. One of these people right here they are telling me what I can't do after God's told me what I can do. And it's also going to drive them nuts. They're going to be like, don't even say anything. Just go. And they're going to be freaking out going. And then they're going to have to ask the question, what, what is that? Well, since you asked, let me just share with you what that is. Doesn't that sound great? Let's practice that right now. All right, one, two, three. That's about 80% of you. need the rest of you. One, two, three. Okay, four in the back didn't do it. We're going to pray for them heavily after this is over with. These people are always going to be there telling you why you can't do what God has specifically commanded you to do. If you remember back when God told the, the children of Israel to go and take the promised land, who spoke up? These people. And here's, a, here's an interesting note from that. A lot of times it might be friend and family that's going to be one of these people who stand up and say, who do you think you are? I mean, the children of Israel was the other ten spies who rose up and said, we can't do it. And Joshua and Caleb said, forget these people. We can do all things because God has already given us the land. Who are we going to listen to, God or? Come on with me, church. You better get your air quotes going now. I am sick of this. You're going to hit them people with some air quotes. Man, I wish I could be there with a camera just to record that with my little phone just going, yep, there they go, putting it into practice. These people will always be around telling you what you can't do. So remember that. First thing on your outlines you don't have, but I, I like to think you do, is this. God gives us direction. These people give us opposition. Right? Challenges and challengers, they're going to come. So sometimes what happens is when they do arise, you get to thinking maybe this isn't God. Maybe I didn't hear correctly. Maybe it's not my time. Maybe that's for somebody else. When you've walked with God long enough, you know when God's speaking to you. That discernment, that, that reception that you have because of your relationship. You, you get it clear. You know it's God. Listen, the closer you get to doing what God wants, the more opposition you will face. And that's a great sign because I'm going to tell you, we shouldn't worry when we face opposition. We should worry when we don't. As followers of Jesus Christ, these people will be with us until Jesus comes back. And sometimes, as I mentioned, they are friends and family members. Here's what you do. You love them always but when it goes against what God has said to you, do not listen to these people. Number two, choose the hard right over the easy wrong. Does that make sense? I mean, it's easy to give up on what God's called you to do. It's hard to keep going when you face opposition. I mean, let's just be honest. It's easy to run a, a mile with, with nothing weighing you down. But you put a backpack on your back with 25, 30, 40, 50 pounds, and you run that same mile. Is it going to be as easy as it was with nothing on your back? No. 
It's going to be more of a challenge. Why? Because you've got opposition that is just on your back constantly weighing you down as you take step after step after step around that track. Do it anyway. It's easy to hide things in our lives that aren't pleasing to God. But it's hard and it's right to confess and ask for help. It's easy to keep charging things and going deeper and deeper into debt, buying whatever you want. But it's hard to deny ourselves in those ways. Right, church? I mean, just a little bit more, just, just another outfit, just, just another vehicle, just another truck, Pastor Scott. I mean, I don't know. It just keeps on coming. I, sorry, bro. <laughs> I kid because I care. But that, that guy, he pays cash. He's the man. It's easy to hold a grudge. How many of you are holding one right now? I thought I'd get somebody, but you ain't. Okay, I got you. Thank you, Patricia. That, that, the most honest person in the building right here, Miss Patricia. It's okay. I might be struggling with that too. But I'll just hold my hand up. It's easy to hold a grudge. It's easy to hold on to bitterness and anger and frustration and all that. It's hard to let it go. It's hard to forgive. It's hard to release as Jesus forgave. It's easy to follow the crowd, but it's hard and right to be different and not conform to this world around us, correct? Why? Because everybody else is doing it. Pastor, it's tough. Yeah, it's tough. It was easy. Everybody be doing this. It's easy to go with the flow, but it's hard to make that stand and draw those lines in the sand. And it's easy to get discouraged when people are against you and quit. Quitting is easy. I know people have become experts at quitting. First little sign of trouble, that's it, I can't do it. I'm going to take the white towel and throw it in. Just wasn't meant to be. I'm not going to go there. Just don't quit when it's God speaking. And please don't miss this. I believe again that God is telling us the time is now. Listen, when the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai in, in verse 4, it says, it is time. Woo! It is time. It's time for you yourselves to rise up. And what he says is this also. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while the house of God remains in ruin? Man, what a question. What a question. We'll unpack that a little bit more. He goes on in verse 5 and says, Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You see, what was happening here is, like I said, they started building their own houses and spending plenty of time there, making sure it was just right and fixed up and living in paneled houses. That was high in living. But please hear this as well. God's not against us having nice things, period. Don't get that in your head. But just don't put nice things ahead of God or anything else for that matter. Amen. That is where we cross the line. Give careful thoughts to your ways in what area of your life are we not putting God first? Are we choosing comfort over calling? Your house over his house. Having more, doing more, consumed with self rather than God and his agenda. Making a name over making a difference. Give careful thought to your ways is what the Lord God is saying to them and us. And then he goes on in verse 6. He says, you have planted much. You have harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're never warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. You're like, Pastor, what does that mean? 
It means this. You've gotten your eyes and your priority list all out of whack because you have not continued to keep God in the center place of your life. You're all consuming fire, your first love, your passion, your everything. And when you do that, all of these other things begin to take precedent and priority over God. And when you chase after those things and when you work and you, you toil after those things and you try to grab a hold of them and you may catch them and even when you catch them, they don't do it for you. Because we were created for God's pleasure and relationship with him. And as much as we try to stuff and fit and cram anything and everything else in that God-shaped void that's in our lives, nothing ever will bring satisfaction except for God and his presence and his power and his purity and his love and his passion and all that he is that we couldn't even begin to describe in a thousand lifetimes. Only he will do that. That's why God is reminding his people here in Haggai that you can chase all these things. You can attain all these things. You can arrive, as they say, and you're still going to be empty at the end of the day because these things, poof, melt away. And they're gone. And you're left with nothing except that gnawing emptiness that only I, only I can feel. That's the word of the Lord to every single one of us. Never satisfied. Still empty. As Dr. Phil would say, how's that working for you? It's not. That's why they were miserable. Listen, listen to the next couple of verses. Verse 7. This is what the Lord Almighty says again and again. The Lord Almighty is saying this. I love how Haggai was careful to say, this is what God's saying, not me. But I am his spokesman, and, and here's what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways once again. That's twice he's reminded them of that. And then verse 8, go up to the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord God. Whew. Our lives are to be all about bringing glory and honor to our great God, period. That should be our first thought our prevailing thought, our first prayer, our prevailing prayer, God, let my life bring glory and honor to you. And don't miss something here that it's pretty easy to kind of just skim over because it is, it is vitally important. Notice the order here. He tells them specifically detailed information. Go up to the mountain. I believe God's saying to some of us, we need to go up to the mountain right now. So we're like, that's it, baby. We get to go to Blowing Rock this afternoon. Jump into the truck after church. We're gone. It's not the mountain I'm talking about, although that might be a good place to head today. I, I, I would just say I might be going with you if you would invite me and have some room and want to buy lunch, and I'll stop right there. But go to the mountain, I think, means just go to that place to meet with God. Get our priorities right. Get away from the stuff down here below and just go focus on God. He said, go to the mountain and bring down the timber. Do some work. Put some sweat equity in the game here. Do something. Put some feet to your faith and to your prayers. Go get that timber and then bring it down and build my house. These instructions reveal a very powerful truth to us about who God is and how he operates. How do you follow God's will? Here it is right here. Write it down. Put it on your forehead so you can see it in the mirror. Step by step is how we follow God's will. 
What is it you want me to do, Lord? You want me to go to my neighbor's house? Okay, what next? Oh, you want me to cut their grass and, and tell them, God bless you, I love you, and Jesus, and I'm just here to serve you? Okay, I sure will. Come home, clean up my lawnmower. What else you want me to do? Step by step. Details are very important to God. The hard right over the easy wrongs. Get our priorities in order. God and his house and his honor and his glory first and foremost. And listen, as we finish this today, the, the final thing I want to remind you of, the way to get started is very simply to quit talking and start doing. Action. Stop talking about it and just go for it. Really put God first in your life. Seek him first, daily in his word and prayer. Carry your cross and follow him. Get your spiritual house in order. This is what God called his people to then. That's what he's calling us to right now. Get your spiritual house in order. Do you hear what I'm saying, church? That would have been a great place to say, that's right, pastor. Amen to that. i got to get my house in order with God first and foremost. Care about your family. Care about those that, that, that God put you in, in, in relationship with. Love and serve them. Humble yourself. Repent of anything wrong. Be there for them. Serve your fellow man. Be wise in your finances. Take care of your own house and, 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 and do the right things financially. And above everything else, listen to God's direction. Because I'm telling you again right now, now is the time. I heard this and I, I love this. It says, if we forget the ultimate then we get enslaved to the immediate. Does that hit you like it did me? The ultimate goal is Christ glorified in my life always. But if I forget about that, then I get entrenched with the, the stuff of life that don't really matter, and I become a slave to that, and I forget. I forget why I'm here. I forget why I was created. I forget why God breathed into me and gives me life day in and day out. I forget about that, and I get trapped in the stuff that doesn't really matter. Stop talking. Start doing. Would you close your eyes with me for just a moment as we finish this part of our service? Folks, life doesn't work without truly loving and serving God first and foremost. Are we doing that? I mean, I'm not talking about your husband, your wife, your family members right now. I'm talking to you. I'm talking directly to every single one of us. And, and, and truth be told, if we were all really honest people, we could, we could say, you know what? I've got, I've got some room for growth I've got some room for change. I've got some room for, for more surrender in my life to, to God. I, I've been wrestling with that story where I've tried to keep a little part or a big part or whatever it is back for myself. And right now, I need to fully surrender, honor him in every way, and give him all of me that I am and ever will be. So, so I ask you, as we, we are just about to, to pray a prayer together. I ask you right now in your life, where are you? What's going on? And, and here's what I want to remind you of. Very simply, once again, now is the time. Whatever that is in your life, whatever that God is, is dealing with you and speaking to you and encouraging you with, whatever he's challenging you with, now is your time. 
But the question is this, what are you going to do with that? With your eyes closed for just another moment, if you're in here and you say, Pastor, there is something. There's definitely something that I sense that God's dealing with me on today. And maybe he's been dealing with you on it for quite a while. Maybe it's been days, weeks, months. Maybe it's been years. But now is the time that you fully realize and understand all that's at stake here, all that he has for you, all of his love, all of his, his power and, and, and the goodness that he has and the plans and the purposes. It's kind of all setting in on you right now. You're kind of seeing that in the big picture. So right here on this last day of May 2020, you're at a place where you're ready to say, you know what, I agree with you in Jesus' name. Now is the time for me. Can I just see your hands all across this room and say, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me right now. Yes, 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 yes. How many others? Just lift your hands. It's my time. I hear you, Lord, and I respond in obedience. How many others? Just slip your hands up with these men and women and children. Man, I love it. Young people. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, who else? Here's what I'm going to ask also as you raise your hands. Would you just stand where you're at right now all across this room? Just, just make that stand. Every eye is still closed. But you're standing up saying, I'm going to take that a step further, and I'm going to make the stand right now. I've been working on my house for far too long. It's time for me to work on his house. God's calling me to work on his house, his kingdom, his family. I don't have to neglect my house completely. But, but the amazing thing is, is when we... When we prioritize Him and His house and His family, His glory, His kingdom, it all just blends together and it, it just unites. It's amazing how that shift takes place. And now is your time. Are there any others that will stand with all of these that are standing across this room right now? Go ahead and stand. I'm going to pray over all of us in just about 10 seconds as you continue to stand across this room right now hearing the voice of the Lord and responding obediently. And as you're standing and more still standing right now, would you take it one more step further and just lift your hands up as an act of surrender. Heavenly Father, we acknowledge that now is the time, the time in which you've called us here in this modern age that we live in, God, thousands of years after Haggai wrote these words from you to those people in that day and time, you're speaking these words to us right now in this rhema moment, this right now moment, God. And we're grabbing a hold of your truth. We're grabbing a hold of all that you are to us right now. And God, we are acting in full surrender. I see hands up and hearts open and lives being changed all across this room. And I see that happening, God, as we live stream that in, in the heavenlies, God. I just picture right now many that may be in their living room and maybe driving down the road, God, that tears are flowing down their faces now as you do a mighty work of change in their lives, God, to lead them out from those people that have spoke negative and damaging things to them before, God, and have kept them down, God, that they've listened to the wrong voices. That stops today and right now, right now. We hear you and we move with you, God. And we move with you, Lord. God, we move with you. We prioritize you. We surrender to you in all of your lordship in our lives. We don't want charge of our lives because we can't do it. We're tired of stuffing everything this world has to offer inside of us, hoping 
longing that is going to satisfy, and it doesn't, and it never will. Only you, Jesus. Would you speak that right now? Only you, Jesus. Let that be our prayer to you, Lord. Only you, Jesus. Only you. Father, I pray that this is not a moment, but this is a lifetime as we continue day after day to surrender to you completely in obedience. You live in us and through us as we die to self and come alive in you. We honor you today and glorify you in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, let it be. Amen and amen. Thank you for tuning into this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.